Hey, you found us. Welcome to Comfortably Uncomfortable, Not Another Running Story. I'm Megan Fanning, and I'm joined by Sean Meehan. We created this podcast to continue the real conversations that we have when we get outside to run, bike, surf, climb, or whatever it is that you do. We love the real conversations when boundaries come down, because really, that's when it gets interesting. Hey gang, we have a favor to ask of you. If you would go to the app that you use to listen to our podcast, please follow and subscribe to our show. This really helps us. And it also really helps you because you will never miss an episode. While you're there, if you could also leave us a five-star rating and a great review. These type of things are super helpful for us because they help our ratings. Last but not least, share this with a friend. There's somebody out there who hasn't heard this and I'm sure would appreciate the share. Thanks, everybody. Hey, gang. How's it going? Hi, Megan. (laughs) It's good to see your smiling, happy faces. We have a guest today. um, New year, new me. (laughs) Live, laugh, love. (laughs) Okay. All right, so we have a guest today, which we're uh, we're all pretty excited about, and this, um, well, actually, sort of two guests. But Sam, I don't really consider you a guest anymore. You're Thank just you. like you're you're like what's we need a word for Sam. I just he's cycle like, in once in a while. Yeah, he's like the little brother that you don't let hang around with you, and then and then you realize, hmm, he could be kind of fun, and then all of a sudden you notice he's like always hanging around with you and you're like oh yeah he's pretty cool so i mean to be fair sam was the one who proposed this podcast guest sam's getting well that's what i was gonna that's what i was gonna say yeah absolutely so yeah so 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 sam sam um proposed the idea of bringing on this podcast guest um sam i'll let you do i'll let you do an intro and uh let everybody know who we're who we're sitting with today we are sitting with chris riston um who I just, it's funny, we were just talking about Amy Ruzecki and the podcast that she did a couple weeks ago with us, and Chris and I were running to, well, I was running with Amy, this was two weeks ago, I think, up in, um, at the GAC, fat ass, and, um, and then we came up on Chris and another buddy that Chris had made, you know, in the first lap of the trail, and, uh, we're talking away, talking away. And I was like, Chris, you should be on the podcast too. And Amy's like, yes, you should be on the podcast. It was a great group of people. Yeah. So, um, so that's how the, the idea came up and I'll just make this quick and brief. Otherwise I met Chris, I think formally, maybe 2021, I was thinking about that this morning at uh, Chester Amy's Chesterfield Gorge race, and he was out there. Um, and and this is Chris will tell us more about this, but he is uh, like he donates so much of his time to the commute, the greater community around Massachusetts and New England, in terms of documenting races and. Um, doing write-ups for the races, taking photos of everybody in these races. And he's also heavily involved with the Trail Animals Running Club and has been for years, I think, out there. But I think formally now is 
on the board of directors, um, if that's the right, what's the term, Chris? Um, it's, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not, um, I, I talk to them a lot, but I'm, okay. I'm yeah, I, I'm not in, uh, in a, a leadership position there, but they do have sort of a board now. So, yep. yeah. But you've been involved there for years yeah. and, um, so yeah, we just want to welcome you and, welcome. uh, appreciate your time today. Thanks. Glad to be here. It's yeah, great maybe, to talk to you. So you host this Facebook, or I, I don't know if host is the right word, but own this Facebook page, Mass Ultra, And that's kind of, I think how maybe a number of people in the community know you. Can you, can you maybe talk a little bit about that and what's involved with that? Yeah. So I guess as a little step back for some of my background, um, I'm originally from Kansas City and grew up, my childhood dream was to be a sports writer. And I did that professionally in the newspapers in Kansas for 12 years before getting out of the business when it was just killing me. And I went from covering college sports, the Division One football and basketball, to working in community newspapers where, you know, the high school football game was, you know, the biggest event in town. And you know, where just, you know, tight-knit communities cared about each other. And when I when I was looking to get out of the papers, I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do with my time. I now work in marketing at an engineering firm, um, but um, I, I had started running trails in 2010. Um, I learned about them from doing a feature story at a night at a nighttime 10K in 2007, and then had trail running on my radar since then. Um, so I knew all I knew was when I got out of the papers, all I knew what how I wanted to fill that time was to run um, on the trails, and I'd figure everything else out. Um, but I had had the idea of starting my own like site to document the trail community in the Kansas City area, but it never really did that. Um, just I kind of wanted more of a break. So I I pitched some stuff to Trail Runner magazine, got a few stories in there. I wrote some things for ultra running to give more attention to the Midwest scene. Um, and then when I moved out to Massachusetts in August of 2015, I started Chewing on the idea again of starting my own like community newspaper kind of site for the ultra community because um, yeah I thought it'd be a good way to meet people you know if uh, you know as a reporter you talk to people you meet people you you learn from them um, and so yeah January uh, I think it was maybe January 11th or so of 2016 just logged on to WordPress set up the site and thought, well, here we go. And um, yeah, the goal is always just one, I allowed me to meet people and learn about the community and the scene out here. And two, it was hopefully over time, you know, as more people grow in the community, uh, you know, people learn and care about each other, get excited and inspired by each other and feel connected and know what's going on. And so, you know, starting year number nine of it now, and that's uh, yeah, that's still kind of the goal. Is just I, I hope anybody who comes into this community feels welcome and informed and excited to be here, and you know, excited about the people around them. So, 
That's awesome. And it really, I think that's why we, Sean and I started this podcast as well, because there's such a feeling of community and I don't know, we just talk to each other differently out on the trails and somehow we, you know, Sean and I wanted to recreate that, that feeling, you know, and that we could share with people who maybe don't, who maybe don't, you know, engage in ultras or, you know, maybe they just like to be outside or looking for a connection. So it's good to know. Part part of it was I also wanted to highlight like the middle of the pack runner, right? That's like the runner that doesn't get the like kudos, right? Like the front of the pack runners always get the the headlines, right? Mm -hmm. The back of the pack runner that's struggling and has that story always gets to tell their story. In the middle of the pack runner, they all have stories, right? They're There's no, there's no one that shows up to trail racing and like ultra running that doesn't have like some story of how they're there and why they're there. So that was like the other, other side of things here. Totally. Yeah. Um, and now I have a question for you. So Mm -hmm. Kansas city, Missouri or Kansas city, Kansas. And the reason I asked that is because you had the Kansas city chiefs, which is a Missouri team, right? But they're, (laughs) so, so I asked the question. Yeah, it's, um, it, I grew up on the, I grew up, I was, I was born in Kansas City, Missouri, but never lived in Missouri. Always lived on the Kansas side of the state line, about two miles from state line uh, on the Kansas side. Um, Jayhawk, um, born and raised, multi-time graduate at KU. Um, but uh, yeah, Kansas, when it comes to Kansas City, though, you know, it's, I, the Chiefs and the Royals are on the Missouri side. Sporting Kansas City, uh, the men's soccer team is on the Kansas side. Um, the Kansas City Current, the women's pro team, is about to open an incredible women's soccer-specific stadium down on the river on the Missouri side. And so when it comes to the pro scene, you know, we love them all on both sides if you're in the metro area. So. <laughs> But you, but if you go out in you know, Westport and downtown Kansas City, like there's a Kansas bar, there's a K-State bar, there's a Missouri bar, and it's like you have your territory. <laughs> so it's it's definitely there's and people love the pro sports there, but it's it's also like a a big college town in some ways from the where people's loyalties are. So. <laughs> so how did you end up in the greater New England area, Boston? My wife grew up in West Roxbury, um, so she's born and raised out here. Um, and we dated long distance for two years before, while she finished up grad school before I moved out. Um, we actually we met through the sport. Um, doing we met at a uh, back in 2013. Um, we were part of this like. Connect the, connect the Dots mutual group of friends that went up to do a 50-miler up in Whistler, um, pre-Gary Robbins Whistler. Um, it was a, a 50-miler called the Meet Your Maker 50 that Solomon put on. Um, it only existed for two years, 2012 and 2013, and we were both part of this mutual group of interconnected friends that we we'd planned for months to go and got a condo together and so yeah we we just kind of hit it off um pretty early on the trip and um it was her first 50 miler it was my second and um she finished about an hour and a half before i did when i came in i had had a really bad day um 
collapse started to collapse about a minute after finishing and she was a nurse she took charge of the situation was telling their medics what to do um, <laughs> i ended up uh spending a night in the emergency room with an irregular heartbeats and uh you know she flew back to boston a day later and i was up in vancouver with a friend for a couple of days and then went home and as my brother-in-law likes to say, um, he says I faked a heart attack to get a girl. So, <laughs> okay, but, that uh, is a love story. Yeah, and so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was like after that, like how can you not call her? So, <laughs> and so yeah, we we dated long distance for two years after that, while she finished grad school, and pretty much every five to six weeks, either I was out here or she was in in town visiting Kansas City, and um, so. We just kind of knew. And that was sort of my gateway to coming out to start experiencing the New England scene. Um, she ran, she was in the TARC 100 in 2014, so I came out to crew and pace. And we ran Musilamu 36 miler in 2015 and the Vermont 50 in 2015. So started getting a, getting a taste of all the good stuff of New England pretty early. Nice. Um, Chris, my husband and I also met through endurance sports. We ended up on a adventure racing team together. Oh, nice. So, so, you know, I, I, you know, I remember thinking like if, if the two, if, God, I think one day we were paddling in this canoe that felt like a tank. I mean, it was the <laughs> slowest and we were on the ocean paddling for, I think about five hours. And I thought if we can get along in this setting, this might be this might be an okay relationship. So. <laughs> Through thick and thin, yeah, we. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's. I had a hint on that I, uh, from our mutual friend Fernando about that uh, <laughs> about how you met it. Now your wife is she what is she still running? Yep. Yeah, she. She's, uh, she's a pretty talented runner too, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's. Um, she has done, well, she finished the Vermont 100 in 2016 and I think 24, 15, something like that. That was the year of a massive downpour for six hours. Uh, and um, yeah, and we did the CCC together in 2017. She put up 40 miles at Hamster Wheel back in November. So, and you know, we've done uh, Don't Run Boston together. Uh, several times now so yeah she still gets after it <laughs> you she's the pastor of the two of us <laughs> nice now uh, phil expand on the don't run boston race a little bit because i i love the concept of this race and um and howie brennan who's you know kind of the ringleader there is such a character and uh just for people in and around Boston, but beyond Boston too. I love the concept of it. Yeah, it's it's the ultra that I've done the most. I think I've now finished thirty of them. Ultra is not, and five of them are DRB. And it is it's the race that like I want to go back to every year, and um, that just the concept of it that it's still it's still that old school throwback kind of event where you know there's it's free to attend they ask that you make a donation to the trailside museum um there's the course there's no marked course 
Um, you know, there's the map that has five different highlighter colors marking the different sort of segments of it and um, in a printout of written instructions and that say things such as um, like when you see the pile of brush on your right take a left and go straight up uh, on the unmarked trail or um, take a hard left at these seven birch trees which are now down <laughs> to three i think since four of them have have fallen over and died so well, it's just sad. <laughs> yeah and but it's just it's an you know it's there's a handful of people there to race but it's basically a, an adventure in the woods with friends where the goal is still you know meet people spend a day together and you know, gps watches and the ability to program a, a route onto your watch i think kind of cuts into some of the magic of the event anymore i always encourage people if you're going to do drb don't do that you know take the map at least at least not if you haven't done it before you know print out a map go study the course go get lost because you're going to get lost and just you know so much of the magic is figuring it is solving the puzzle and the first the first year we ran it was 2016 we tried to preview the course we got lost repeatedly so we tried to stick with the veterans on race day after two and a half miles they pulled away from us and we promptly got lost we were out there like almost nine hours and had three bonus miles um but ultimately finished and then the next year we went back to do it again and jeff list um was was running it he was always using it as a training run for for hard rock and he had done drb i think 14 times or something like that so he knew the course by heart didn't need a map and we just held on for dear life and we ran the course perfect um and we got to run with this guy who's just you know a beast such a good guy like a, a great veteran in the sport and and really learn a lot from him just by spending six and a half hours together um and it was from that that really made me realize like I, you know, we ran the course perfect, but I didn't learn a bit of it because we were just staring at his back and just <laughs> fighting to hang on. So I've done it the last three years and I've spent like a month and a half during the winter, just every weekend studying that course segment by segment and have it memorized now. But it's like, you know, Jeff kind of taught me the magic of that course though. And that whole process, which is awesome. And I think about it every time I run, um, parts of that course i think jeff list so some of my some of my best running or biking stories are are and i got lost yep. <laughs> <laughs> totally. there's there's something there's some yeah, yeah there's some sort of magic or humor or something that happens in the and i got lost yeah yeah, yeah and this is this is such a i mean it's such a cool area where this race is i mean it's just south of boston in the blue hills and it's tucked in alongside a big highway and it has some of the most brutal terrain in it yeah. that you would find anywhere. And it makes perfect sense to go and train for hard rock there. Yes, it doesn't have a, a five mile climb or something like that, but it's just constantly up and down. And I think yeah. they I've not run it, um, but I think, you know, Howie probably I know he loves the ups and the downs and crashing through rocks and stuff and um my picture of howie brennan 
He and do you know Howie Sean? I mean, he's a he's a Connecticut. He's a Connecticut guy. guy yeah. He's a shirtless yeah. run. Shirtless yeah, runner. you know, he's an old school. He's got his shorts on and that's it. You know, yep. and he's just yes. going for it. And he's my age now. He's like probably early 60s or late 50s, early 60s. And yeah. he's still just an animal running yeah. these things. And um, and it's I, I don't know. There's there's so much more. I mean, Tark was very, you know, runs that and is very connected. And there's a lot of that vibe with Tark of they put on all these races that are super low key, you know, like it's, you know, just pick your distance and, you know, oh, you know, think it's in loops and if, you know, oh, you want to run more loops today? Sure. Go ahead and do whatever you want to do. You know, it, it's, um, yeah. it's all part of a great, great vibe and a great scene here. I always look at Trap Rock and DRB weekend has the kickoff mm-hmm. to like running season, right? Like Trap Rock Saturday, DRB Sunday, yeah. you know, and the marathon's monday right so like that's like that's the kickoff to run season yeah well there was we had a, there was a guy uh brian mccusty who this past year did the trap rock drb double yeah and um we ran well, that's intriguing yeah and <laughs> uh he was doing that that was part of his build-up for the world's end 100k down in pennsylvania and um which is that was my first 100k and that course is brutal but uh yeah um he ran trap rock the day before and then he was part of our group for the first uh 13 miles of drb and then pretty much disappeared off ahead of us he was running so strong and i was thinking how is he doing that the day after running trap rock <laughs> it's like yeah. that's and drb for our listeners who don't know don't, don't run boston like don't yeah. run oh, oh, the okay. boston yeah. marathon do something that's harder. Yep. Yeah, it's Absolutely. they. Um, yeah, the the backstory on it, like, it's always been the Sunday before the Boston Marathon, unless it's unless it's an Easter year, and then it'll be Saturday. Um, and they always kind of build it uh, back in the '90s when it started as being, um, you know, the less crowded, less corporate, um, you know less expensive per mile than the Boston Marathon. <laughs> so, uh, but you get what you pay for. So come hang, it's come hang with the cool kids. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the members of the Island of the misfit toys, yeah. the people who don't fit in the P you know, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Tark, uh, I think Tark per mile probably puts on the hardest races in the new England area. I agree. Absolutely. I mean, they're, there's the courses are stupid to be <laughs> I mean, like like the tar hundred the yeti one like, like it's ridiculous the um the, the fells, winter all the fells winter, winter is yeah. is insane i mean they're they're hard races yeah they've, they've got a good balance in there throughout the year too because yeah you've got you've got some of those ones that are that can be super brutal but then you've got like the spring classic and the fall classic that are really approachable for you know, if you want to run that first 50K or first 50 miler or first trail 10K to just see if you like it and what the appetite. And, you know, so it's always neat going out there and seeing those environments because especially I think that spring classic, you get a lot of new people who started running the trails in the winter or watching the films on YouTube and want to give it a try. And 
So there's lots of energy, both because some new people, but also just like the first gathering of the season. Um, and yeah, and then, you know, the, the 10K finishes, the half marathon finishes, but the marathon and the 50K are still going. And people who ran, who are already done are just kind of hanging out, like the community vibe and cheering people on. And, you know, new folks are getting inspired by the people who are going back for loop number three or four or five. So... It's, it it's, really it really is awesome. I like to volunteer at I volunteer at the summer and the fall classics, and yeah. I think the fall classic has I don't know. There's a 10k, a half marathon, a marathon, a 50k, a 50 mile. There's yeah. all these different options. I think they had like is it 700? I mean, it were hundreds of people this yeah. past fall and it was really cool because you get the people who are doing the 10k and you're just doing it for the first time and they do pick up on you know the energy of all you know these people continuing to go around and around, yeah. and around. it's very cool one of the things I, coming oh go ahead oh i was gonna say i was gonna say that i thought i think that for those listening who you know we talk about some crazy endurance events on this podcast and for those listening that that think, well, you know, God, I would like to try this. These are the races that we're talking about. <clears throat> Excuse me. These are the races that we're talking about that are that will introduce you into this world. And you don't have to do an ultra. Like you can, you know, you can do the 10K, you can do the half. And it is it is contagious. So if you're thinking about it, look, you know, Tark is T-A-R-C. You know, it's um it's all over social media. You know, it's it's a great group. Just come and check it out. And I think that the difference, and we've talked about this before in the podcast, but the difference between these type of races and the triathlons that I was doing before um, I did these, you know, before I did ultras or the regular road races, it's there's a community and you're going to have, you're gonna, you know, if you're out there doing the 10K, it's so true you're going to see people just repeating these loops and and you look at them and they're normal people they just look like you know all they're nothing shapes, special all yeah. shapes and sizes yeah. and it's what it's what sean said it's these middle of the packers that you know we're just regular people living regular lives and dealing with you know kids and puppies you know as as, <laughs> as chris has been dealing with dealing you know it's getting up early running late just these are people just somehow making it happen so if you want to get a glimpse into what this world is like and the community that that you know sean and i have really been promoting on this podcast i encourage you and and we'll put you know we'll put links in the show notes that really encourage you to just come check it out and if you're too intimidated to run volunteer you know it's just just show up we'll you'll know what we're talking about so chris i have a question for you yeah. I think you've covered this sport in this area more or less 10 years, correct? Getting, uh, this is starting my ninth, yeah. Okay. Um, so what are your thoughts on the way the sport has grown? Right, like in the area, like when you started covering it, it was like there was like Tark, mm -hmm. there was like Schnipset, and mm -hmm. now we have like – in Connecticut, we have like Schnipset, Connecticut Trail Mixers, um, the um, – uh steep endurance right so like there's like now three groups that kind of put on races in the area right now yeah. in massachusetts you have tark and then you have like beast coast trail running on the east and west side of the states yeah. and it's just i mean it seems to have grown and grown and grown um yeah what are, what are your thoughts on all of that and it's I, observations when it, 
Yeah, and when I when I started the site, and I, I the focus is primarily on Massachusetts. Um, I I I try to include as many people from the full New England region as I can. Like when I do roundups and stuff, or when I do, or when I focus on a covering a specific local race. But you know, when I started it, and I was a new guy in the area, and I didn't um, I, I didn't I think uh, I didn't grasp how big the community was throughout all of the region. Like the the roundup started with me really just focusing on Massachusetts people there too. And then I I pretty quickly started figuring out just from being at more races, you know, how tight knit the regional community is versus, you know, a state kind of thing. And I and so I wanted to pivot and recognize that. But when it comes to covering races and stuff, it's, it's just one of me. And so, and I, and I do this for free as life allows, um, cause I love it. And so, um, I've kind of had to keep that limited focus on what I get to in person to cover, but even that sort of to, as a roundabout way of getting back to your question, it's been wild to see how, how much it's grown in the last eight years that I've been doing this. And when I first started the site, I want to say there were 18 or 19 ultras in Massachusetts. And now there's, there's been a few that started and then went away, but there's something like 26 or 27 of them maybe now. And, um, and, and then on top of that, all these new ones that have popped up throughout the region, lots of new ones in Connecticut, a lot of growth in Maine with white mountain endurance and just, it's been, it's been really cool to see. Um, in particular, how much of it is a grassroots level of, I mean, what Amy's, what Amy Rosecki has been doing with Beast Coast has been really neat to see. Um, and all the good organizations that she supports through those and just the community she's building and how inclusive it is. The Berks group, the Berkshire Ultra Running Community for Service, they've added new races, as well as a lot of like, virtual options in the wintertime that people are doing to keep them motivated constantly raising money through their events to support good causes. Tark's series has grown. It, to, it, I think it's now at 12 races, uh, 11 or 12, um, something like that. It's, there's been a little bit of shifting in the lineup because um, Ghost Train was under the Tark umbrella for a bit, and now it's not. Um, and the Tark 100 went away, then they revived it as the Frozen Yeti. So it's all a blur, but it's it's getting so much bigger, which is both exhausting and really awesome to see. Now, you kind of touched on it, and we kind of talked about it prior to recording or starting mm-hmm. the recording of the podcast. What are your thoughts on, like, the shift towards the corporatization of a lot? I mean, now... There's still a ton of grassroots stuff, but there's on the higher level, there becomes more corporatization in some of the events. Like we talked about UTMB, you said, mm-hmm. I mean, you've been out to CCC. And yeah. so, I mean, what are your thoughts on on how that shift is happening? Um, I have I, I have really mixed feelings on it in that I, there's stuff that I don't like, in particular, the I, one the buy UTMB brand just irritates me because there is one UTMB and I know, you know, 
one is a branding thing, whatever, like who cares? But it's like UTMB is its own unique standalone event. So throwing slapping by UTMB on an on Grindstone, it's not UTMB. Like it's your corporate company, but like I feel like it diminishes the value of the main event to spread it around like that. So that's just like a personal editor type of grumble. But and I, my biggest qualm with it, I guess, is I don't like how they've gone about their business model. Because yeah, people should be able to make money. Like yeah, you you pour your heart into something. If something if putting on races is your dream and you want to be a professional race director, great. Like you know, live your life, do that, do a great job. But you know, do it within the sort of values and culture of the sport to help do it in a way that you know does no harm um and chris just to interrupt you for a second what do you think the values what values should we be promoting in our in our culture and in our community and i think one is having thing one is being accessible to a lot of people and you know that and that that obviously comes with limits as well i mean there's you know, permitting agencies limit how many people can be on a course and stuff. So yeah, there's, but I think I look at it primarily from like, is, are we pricing people out of the game? Are we trying to put our competitors out of, you know, are, are we trying to put other events out of business so we can go make more money versus, uh, is, you know, things that are established in the community that people value and care about working with each other. And, um, like when we see what happened, the whole Gary Robbins situation in Whistler, um, and going with the idea that there's different truth on both sides, whatever, that it's still just, it's still just a, a bad deal all around that doesn't jive with me as far as how you treat somebody or, you know, if they're, if they put one, if they put somebody's event out of business to go and be like, all right, I'm going to take that same weekend. Like the the good character side of it would have been UTMB saying, all right, we're not going to, we're not going to do that either then because you're not accommodating to the sports at this venue. Um, so, oh, and I think just, you know, so much of what, or if they want, if they want to create new events, okay. Um, and figure that out within those parameters. But if you're trying, if you try to put somebody else out of business, like Iron Man's business model was, was go buy up a race and shut it down mm-hmm. and then put on a more expensive event so that not only are we putting a local longtime business owner out of business, um, but then we're going to make it more expensive for the people in the community who want to participate to be able mm-hmm. to afford to do it. You know, now we're pushing people out. You know, and it's a sport that's already expensive because bikes aren't cheap <laughs> and among other things, travel's not. And so, um, but yeah, it's, and then as far as just like you know, I see lots of people wanting to boycott UTMP and stuff. And I and I get a lot of that too. I also feel like because I know there were some people who ran at this pat who ran UTMB this past year and have done, you know, Grindstone or Speedgoat or Canyons since they've fallen under that umbrella now. And some people who kind of have like have feel guilty for having done it. And because and and I feel bad about that too because it's like no, you know, within the sport, you know, if if running in the Alps is your dream, and wanting to run UTMB is your dream, you know, if we put in 
we ask a lot of our bodies and our time and of our the people around us who sacrifice for us to go out and run all these miles and stuff that you know if you're willing to put in the work to train your body so you can go run in this incredible place you should do it but it's just looking at what does the road look like to do that um if we're creating a business you know if they're building an empire that is just a money funnel to them to be able to do that and there's other great events in the alps that people could do instead of utmb um but and when we did the, when my wife and i did the ccc the, the race we did in whistler was actually a two-point qualifier at the utmb system at the time we didn't end up using those points uh but a couple years later um her finish at the vermont 100 and me doing the vermont 50 miler one year and 50k the next year you know local races that those were our points were races in vermont um that supported vermont adaptive and got to be in the local community and um and that made utmb in its events you know i think feel like um, it could be a little i think looking back on the way things were it seems a little more fulfilling to have been able to do it in that mold because yeah you're racing local but you have this big dream out here on a pedestal to go do um but it's not everything you're doing is focused on a brand or something so if that makes sense Yes, it does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think so. The I've wanted to run UTMB forever, like that. Yeah. Like, and and I have athletes that I coach. One is actually running UTMB this year, and um, it's kind of the thing. Is like, look, it don't feel bad about it. Like, yeah. it's if that's like if that's your dream. Like, I appreciate the pushback from the community because the corporate model that is utmb that's part of the ironman should understand that there's a community that drives this and they yeah. should understand that there's maybe some changes that they need to do if they want to be involved and promote that community and yeah. there is the definite concern of what ironman did where they like bought up races and then they're like oh well this isn't a profitable race we're shutting this down immediately yeah um and so so i think there's good that there is pushback and I think you're correct that they're probably you should, probably shouldn't feel guilty wanting to do a race that's a spectacular race. There's yeah, you know um, yeah, like we all get in this because we have dreams for of different things. Yeah. I mean, one of the most fulfilling things I remember as a or most exciting things as a as a new ultra runner and I ran my first 50k in February of 2012 um, and. Um, you know, did, then did Leadville Silver Rush that year and then did another 50K that November in Kansas City. And I remember January rolled around for 2013. And um, I, I probably spent 450 bucks on New Year's morning signing up for different races. I signed up for <laughs> three days of Solomo in Arkansas, Chattanooga Mountain Stage Race in Tennessee. I signed up for a 50K at Big Bend National Park in Texas. And it was just like, I was, you know, I was flipping through Ultra Running Magazine, which at the time still published, you know, race director reports and long lists of results, which I wish they still did. Um, <laughs> and um, I, but I would flip through and was just looking at pictures, and I'm like, that place looks awesome. I want to run that. And now that place. You're looks like a awesome. kid in a candy store. That. Yeah, and you know, and just you know when you run these kind of miles the possibilities of where you can explore just expands incredibly and so yeah if 
yeah, if somebody's dream is to go do that in the Alps, yeah, do it. <laughs> like, you know, dream big, train hard, and go have an adventure of a lifetime. It's, and that's kind of, you know, we all have our different places we want to run. Like, I'd rather not run on a beach um, for an ultra because it's sand and flat, but some people, you know, I'd do a 5K on a beach, but if somebody wants to go run a 100 miler along the ocean or something, yeah, like, train and find an incredible place and <laughs> so yeah i think it's people have to find their own ways and and the but i do i do the organic nature of it the the willingness to volunteer as part of what you're doing yeah. um or the race directors, like you say, Amy, who, you know, it's they're pushing their profits towards some kind of thing that promotes land conservation or, um, you know, and, and another thing I think that doesn't actually get talked about enough in our community, I think the mountain bike community does a good, good um, part of it, but it's trail maintenance. Totally. And, yes. um, you know, the, I feel like if you can touch all of those a little bit, maybe not every year, but, you know, through your career or something, um, I think those are the things. So you're experiencing all aspects of being out on the trails and things. I really think um, that enhances your experience yeah. of, every, of it all. Well, that's, that's one of the one things. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, that's one of the... Yeah, go ahead. One of the things that I think that's most unique about our community is the trail stewardship slash ambassador aspect of it. Whereas, you know, we volunteer at races, like Sam was saying. We do trail maintenance. Like, a lot of races used to have that as a requirement. Some races mm -hmm. still do. Yeah. Shout out to Amy Rizeki. You know, the... the um, the fact that there's not huge prize money and we do it for, you know, to raise money for whatever the area is, right? Like the fact that Western states, the the race technically almost loses money every year based on like what it does if it wasn't for, you know, sponsorship money coming into the race, it wouldn't, wouldn't be able to survive. Like all that stuff, right? Like is, is part of what makes the community way different than say, you know, an Ironman. Like yeah. no one's out there you know, picking up packets of goo off of the side of the road as a volunteer at Ironman, unless they're like, hey, you know what, my like, I need to do this so that I can register next year because it's the only way I'm going to get that early registration so I can get into yeah. this race. And that's one of the things that I, I'm, you know, I really appreciate that, that you guys talk about so much on here is you know, with really focusing on the community and the stuff that's important here because, and that's where, it's kind of part of what, you know, Sam mentioned a column that I wrote a few weeks ago, um, sort of my year in column um, that kind of took on sort of that all this buzz around what's going on with UTMB and their business model of expansion with Ironman that and how, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I mean, they're a big brand that cares about making money and profit and at and everything else be damned in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, the number of runners in the community and the number of local clubs and, 
you know, you know, runners have a lot more power in terms of controlling and teaching and maintaining the culture of the sport than we maybe give ourselves credit for. And I think it's, and I just sort of had wanted to make the point that it, that's important for us to all recognize and really take ownership of because and maybe whether or not it's pushing back against a brand or a particular business entity or, or if we just see something that we think is wrong, or if it's, you know, choosing where we spend our money or choosing where we spend our time, whether, you know, whether it's and what we and what we focus on in our conversations. You know, that's um, and one of my biggest frustrations has been seeing how with the expansion of the media and the sport, there's, you know, everybody wants to be at Western States. Everybody wants to go to Chamonix. You know, everybody wants to spend two weeks at Hard Rock. And it's, you know, I yeah, they're, they're cool events, but we're, you know, there's not that many new storylines. There's you know, how much saturation of coverage do we need on these specific things every year? How many more times do we need the, the Barkley course brought one article from 20 people camped out, you know, just to say they were there. Like, you know, it's a, you know, it's a place to be seen and versus necessarily to go find a really good story. And, you know, like you were saying earlier, Sean, you know, the, a lot of these, the middle of the pack people have, there's wonderful stories and we ignore them left and right. Um, and, um, and you know, you guys are putting a spotlight on that stuff, which is important. Wow. And Scotty Coomer has talked about that a lot. He got a lot of flack last year at Western States from Tim Junk Miles because he dared to question um, why they couldn't devote a little bit of time to some of the other people who weren't in the top 10. And he took a lot of heat for that. And yeah, it's I, Courtney DeWalter is wonderful. I don't need to hear her on a podcast ever again because they're all the same. Jim Walmsley is great. Every conversation is basically the same. And everybody wants to have them on because they're a name that will get clicks, not because there's necessarily a new interesting story to tell. And, um, you know, so whether it's elite elite athletes that get sort of recycled through the coverage or the same events, you know, the conversation in the spotlight, I feel like you know, we owe it to the sport to kind of shift some of that. Not that not that what's happening at the front of the pack isn't important or meriting some attention, but there's a lot that goes by the wayside because of sort of chasing the easy story versus maybe the better story it was it was i was crewed my daughter i'm sorry i i crewed my daughter at western states last year sean was out at western states and um what's the road section called sean forest hills forest hills yeah Yeah. so i remember pulling in there and we were super early you know it's the great thing about crewing is once you get the first couple locations it's just a straight road along the course and it's super easy to get around and i remember seeing courtney running into forest hill when i was parking the car and i was like oh that's really really cool and then we parked down the road and every video i'd ever seen and of course there's you know you're flooded with all these people running after the top 10 or top 20 Mm -hmm. men and women with video cameras and there's like three different people around them and even like the days leading up before the race, people like 
you know, videoing their every step is it's a little over the top for my tastes. But yeah. I remember seeing Forest Hills, you know, it's this big mob scene and keep people screaming and yelling. And, blah. and when we got there, it was nothing. It was just a bunch of people parked yeah. in cars, sitting on their tailgates, being like, you know, all right. Some, you know, in the next two hours, I'm expecting my runner and it's just, you know, you're chatting with the people next to you, but there's none of this huge commotion and, and madness and except yeah. when, you know, their runner comes through and, you know, three or four cars around there cheering them and high five in them. And it's just, it's a completely different world now between those things. And mm-hmm. as a sport that Still, I think rightly so, take some pride that people, you know, line up in the same corral, all line up in the same corral together. There is this sort of differentiation that starts to happen. And it's some of it's just driven by our media obsessed or, um, you know, the clickbait thing. Yeah. Um, But it's, you know, I just had a completely different picture of the scenario from seeing these things. It, It was it was entertaining to me. Yeah. And I've, I've always, you know, the thought that's come through my mind a lot the last couple of months as I've really thought about this too, is how like with, you know, like with what I do on the mass ultra site, and there's, there's a tremendous luxury in not caring about clicks. And I don't sell ads. I don't make money off it. I don't care to do any of that. Like, it's not why I do it. You know, I gave my life to journalism a long time ago. They always tell you in journalism school, journalism journalism will never love you back. You know, you'll, <laughs> what, you, what you write will get you hate mail. You know, it's, I, you know, especially if you're covering a rival team or you're not going to make excuses for why the local team, you know, lost or you're covering local government or, or national or any of that. Like, but... You know, with with what I've tried to create here with what I do, it's you know, it's tried to keep um, those things, the, the focus there on the things that are important to me and that I think should be important to the community and not write something because I think people are going to click on this. I write it because I have time to write it, you know, within between life and work and everything else or because I think it's a good story. And there's tons of good stories I haven't had time to do because life is busy. But, but you know, some of the best stories I've, some of the best stories that I feel like I've written, especially over the last year, um, haven't had many views, and that's fine. I, and I go, I'll go through the little admin stuff once in a while just out of curiosity to see what gets looked at, and, um, you know. The, sto- the story I wrote about the Village Ultra out in New Salem, where they, and it's not really a race, it's an event that basically raises money for a local, a different local charity each year. And you come run one of four different little loops, you kind of make up your course as you go. And it's awesome. And if, you, if you're looking for a, a long training run for a fall ultra, you should do it. And, you know, the, the 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 proceeds this past year went for dance scholarships um, at a local dance studio in honor of a girl who died in a house fire six or seven years ago, um, who whose grandmother or who had asked her grandmother if she would pay for dance scholarships for other kids who couldn't afford it, and 
And like, that's a story that needed to be told. And I think it was viewed like 115, 130 times. Like, if I cared about clicks, that would not get written because that, like, but, you know, it's, and, you know, that's like, you know, chasing a podcast with Courtney or whatever. It's like, well, someone are going to, someone's, people are going to download this. It's like, no, there's, you know, it's a, it's a tremendous luxury to be able to write what I feel like is important. Um, and, not have to worry about any of the other stuff and i don't i don't have time to write everything i'd like to but um you know it's just you know i don't have a business model like like a lot of the national folks and so (laughs) well for, for, for people that are listening to this and you know in what would you suggest is the best event in the new england area for somebody that's on the edge thinking maybe i could do this i don't know this is kind of crazy what's this community like if you could recommend one event for the person that's on the fence like our ultras too crazy i don't know what are your recommendations i would send i would really tell folks to either go to the tark spring classic or the fall classic and um you know, sign up for the 10K, and you know they're they're nice introductory courses. You get some technicality. You get some nice running trails with some pine needles and stuff. You go through the woods, um, but it's not too they're not too te- too technically difficult, and you've got so many people out there around you that are going to be out there a whole lot longer. So even if you just go hike a 10K you're going to be done hours before the people in the 50k or a 50 mile are going to be done and you can see what's happening around you and just take enjoy the experience and when you're finished you can be wowed by the people who are heading out for more and you can see you know the weathered people coming through you know after five six seven hours that they've been through something and are still getting back up and going for more miles and and so those are those are the two awesome. I would probably point someone to. Um, Great. Yeah. Hey, Great. Chris. We'll make sure to include those links in our show notes. I want to say thank you for coming on. I know Absolutely. you you have have a hard drop time here. <laughs> you got to got to go take care of family life, which is what, kind of what we all have. Yeah. Um, so we ask our guests to pick a song to close this out with, and. Uh, Gave you gave you a heads up, and I think you made Megan your best friend because of this. So, what's your closeout we, we, song? We we bonded, and you didn't even know it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we've we've talked about this artist quite a bit um, on the podcast. So um, so yeah, so let us know what's what's your pick. We're going with uh, "Hope the High Road" by Jason Isbell and the Four Hundred Unit. And why did you why do you like this song? Um. I had a few different songs in mind, um, and Super 8 by Jason Isbell was another oh, one great. because that yeah. kind of took me back to my newspaper sports writing days of not the uh, bedlam that was going on necessarily in, in that song, but I stayed in some pretty uh, dumpy hotels while covering I, state I don't tournaments die in Salina in a Super and Wichita and Hutchison, yeah. um, but I'll just, you know, I feel like getting out on the trails and being around the community you know one of the things is as 
you know, there's so much noise in the world and so much chaos and things that go on. And it seems like even more so over the last several years. And, but the trails are all, have always sort of been one of those places that I feel like all that stuff kind of goes away. I've run so many miles with people that I have vastly different beliefs from and that we can bond like best friends on the trail. And that is so true. That's and you see that you can experience the humanity of people out there when you go through some stuff together and see someone more for who they are when they're away from the noise as well. And I think, and that just kind of has always resonated with me with that song is it's, you know, it's, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to fight you down in a ditch. You know, he's going to meet you up here on the road. And that's, um, I feel like I'd replace road with trail, but uh, otherwise, I feel it, like that's meet you know meet him in a good place. When 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 I saw your your song pick, what what I say often with with the work I do, um, you know, for for my jobs, I say I some on my bad days I feel like a drop of water in the desert. So you know, so I specialize in trauma. I see a lot of rough stuff, and in this week especially. Um, there were a couple things going on that I'm just like, seriously, this world is so messed up. Why am I doing this? Why, you know, just everything, you know, it, it just feels exhausting. But then a song like this reminds me that I'm not the only drop of water. There's a, so many other, there's so many other drops of water that are out there with me. However, it's just, you know, when you get tired, when it's a rough week, you just forget. And, you know, the the lyrics in that song, you know, I hope the high road leads you home again. It It yeah. is hope for when the world just feels so terrible. Like, what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? And And for me, it's I have to be reminded that I'm not alone, right? That I'm not the only drop of water. And whether that's going to happen at work or if it happens you know, when I'm out there surfing with somebody or, you know, we, I decided to do a hike with a friend. It's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm not alone. And maybe if we can remember that we're not alone, then this is, this is when we make a difference. And and I say make a difference. It could be, could be politically, it could be your job, or it could just be, you know, promoting races or a cause that, yeah. that bring people together. Yeah. You go spend you go spend a late night at an aid volunteering at an aid station. Mm-hmm. You're going to make a lot of people's lives better. You're going to see a lot of you're going to interact with a lot of people that you think very identically with and very differently with. And none of that stuff is going to come up or matter. You're going to see people for being for the good that's in them. And you're going to um, feel you're going to find the good in yourself, too. So. It happened a couple times this week. I, you know, I think like two or three people asked me, like, how do you have time to do the podcast and the, and the coaching stuff? And and I actually looked at them and said, this isn't a job. I, this doesn't feel like a job at all. This is yeah. this is something like that's just so much fun, so much yeah. fun to do. So thank you for, um, you know, I think good song pick and and glad we bonded and you didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we so should do this quick, again be- sometime. I've yeah, loved it. real quick before we go, where where can people find you? We're gonna we're gonna post we're gonna post links, but for people listening, they they want to check you out. They want to read what you're writing. Where can they go? The the website is just massultra.com. 
Um, and there's a Facebook page that I post links to stuff. I, you know, I, the articles all go on the website. I post links as new stuff comes up to the Facebook page. The Facebook page houses much more extensive photo galleries when I go shoot at races. Um, you know, I'll, I'll post a small gallery on the website and then link to 200 plus pictures. And, you know, it's all free for people. You know, if uh, I hope that, you know, if, if someone's running their first race or a goal race, hopefully they get a, hopefully I'm able to get a shot of them that they'll look back on and feel good about what they've done. Remember the experience fondly and maybe it'll, you know, hopefully inspire them to go back out and do some more. So. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. It was great meeting you. It was great talking to you. And um, I look forward to meeting you out on the trails one of these days. Likewise. Yeah, man. Thanks, look Chris. forward to seeing you out on the trail. Hopefully we'll so, have you on the podcast again. I think I'd, I'd love to. I feel like we just, just scratched the surface, my friend. <laughs> You're not kidding. Yes. <laughs> Thanks a lot, right. guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Take care. You too. I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you fighting off a breakdown I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man I don't know what that even means Now I just want you in my arms again And we can search each other's dream I know you're tired and you ain't sleeping well Enough about myself. So if you're looking for some bad news, well, you can find it somewhere else. Last year was a son of a bitch for nearly everyone we know. Bye, fighting with you down in the ditch. I'll meet you up here on the road. I know you're tired and you ain't sleeping well. To the world.